You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. So welcome to episode two of Electric Bike Radio, e-bike tech. I'm Dwayne, and this is my co-host, Jared. Hey, Dwayne. We're getting into the groove of this podcast thing now, huh? Yeah. Here we are in episode two, and we're still sort of covering some basic stuff. We decided that so much of e-bike discussion is about the technology of e-bikes. So this week's topic has to be about electric bike tech. So what do you mean by that, Dwayne? What do you mean by electric bike tech? What parts are we covering today? Well, anything that's specific to the e-bike uh, platform, you know, the technology is not that complex, uh, but there is some stuff you need to know. Understanding a few of these things will help you to shop for a bike, or if you already have a bike, kind of help you to get the most of it. And in future shows, we'll talk more about riding techniques and tips and how you use the technology, but we want to make sure that we're all on the same page with talking about just how these e-bikes work. Now, one of the most important things, I think, when we start talking about electric bikes is the different type of drive motors that you find on e-bikes, because e-bikes can be classified uh, in large part by what type of motor they have. And there's two very different drivetrains that you can get on an e-bike. This is one of those things. It wasn't immediately obvious to me when I looked at bikes. I had to study them a little bit to figure it out. But some e-bikes have hub motors. And some have mid-drive motors. So I think we should start, Jared, by talking a little bit about what each of those are and how they work. So let's start with hub drive. That's kind of, I think, the, the simpler system out there. A hub drive is where you have the motor built into the wheel, usually the back wheel, although some companies have put on the front wheel. But you'll see it in the, in the dead center middle of the wheel. It basically looks like a bigger hub. And you house the motor inside the wheel, and it's it's spoked in and everything else. Um, and what it does is it's taking electrical power and pushing the wheel directly by pushing it against you know the parts of the frame, usually a torque arm of sorts. So it's spinning the wheel freely. It's not having really any integration with the drivetrain, as you know, the sprockets and gears and things like that. It's just a motor on a wheel. And you pushing is going to be usually separate. Yeah, the motor is essentially connected directly to the wheel. has nothing to do with what gear the bike is in or anything like that. It's just turning the rear wheel. And and this is something that I think hub drive motors, we see them most commonly, not exclusively, but most commonly on less expensive bikes. Right. And I think one of the reasons is that, again, it's not integrated fully into the bike in the sense that you need to design you know, the entire gear train, the bottom bracket, places like that. You don't need to design a bike around a hub drive motor. You can build a hub drive wheel and use a controller and battery on it and and build your own hub drive bike if you want. So that's why you see it, I think, more frequently than mid-drive motors, because it's easy just to just to pop in there to an extent. And we're not we're certainly not being a uh, hub drive motor snobs because both of our bikes are hub drive motors. <laughs> the Rad Wagon and every Rad Power bike sold right now is a hub drive motor. Um Dwayne, I think your Pedigo and probably half or three quarters of the Pedigos that are sold out there are hub drives. And um yeah, there's there's plenty of bikes out there, plenty of high level bikes out there with hub drives too. So they're they're a blast just as much as a mid drive. 
Yeah, and I think we're I'm making a generalization here, but my guess would be most e-bikes that have a sale price of less than about two grand are probably hub drive motors. That's fair. Again, there can be exceptions, but there there are a few exceptions I could think of, but but not many. I think that's a good generalization. All right, so let's talk about a mid-drive motor uh, by comparison. So those motors are actually installed between between the pedals or between the cranks on the bike. And the motor actually drives the bike's front chain ring, you know, that, that large sprocket that's a part of the crank set. So when the motor is turning, it's actually affected by the gearing of the bike. Depending on the gear that you've selected in the bike, you know, the motor can be turning faster or slower. It can be easier or harder to turn based upon what what gear the rider has put the bike in. So that is a big difference. All right. I think how I usually think of it, Dwayne is usually like the mid-drive motor is helping you push. It's helping you pedal. It's, it's doing the same thing as your legs are doing. It's pushing on that front ring. Whereas a hub-drive motor, it's separate from what you're doing up front. It's just pushing the rear wheel itself. Uh, that, that's yeah. how it works in my head. I'm not sure if that helps anybody. I think that's a good way to think about it. And so we talked about the mid-drive motors are generally seen in, in more expensive bikes. I think uh, some great examples are uh, a lot of the big-name brand bikes that have dealer networks that are more traditional, you know, bike manufacturers, like Specialized. Uh, specialized makes the Specialized Como. Uh, Trek makes the Verve. Those are, are some of the examples that come to mind of where you would easily find a, a mid-drive bike to look at. Right. And, and those uh, those bike companies are buying their mid-drives from certain manufacturers. There are only a few manufacturers in the game on this. So Bosch sells a mid-drive and companies will integrate the Bosch mid-drive into their bike. Shimano does as well. And these are starting to come down in price a little bit because there's a couple of new competitors coming out. There's one called Dapu. Um I have not ridden any bikes with that mid-drive on it, but I think Ariel, um, the the bike manufacturer Ariel, uses the Dapu mid-drive. And you can get those bikes, I believe they're a couple under $2,000 or right around $2,000. So so that's where you're starting to see competition bring mid-drives down into the range of some hub drives. So I know people ask, so which is better? And (laughs) like so many things in life, right? (laughs) The answer is it just depends. But we can talk a little bit about, you know, what are the advantages to one over the other? Since we're just talking about mid-drives, let's let's continue with that. I'll say that, you know, certainly mid-drives are perceived as a more premium option. And I think one of the reasons is because, it can be a more natural uh, feeling ride if the bike is also paired with a torque sensor. Now, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. That's a whole other subject about torque sensors versus cadence sensors. But, you know, in a mid-drive bike, because the bike does get the advantage of the mechanical gearing, you know, they can be better at hill climbing because the bike can take advantage of the gears. They can also be a little more efficient. You can get some longer range out of them. Um, there, there's some, there's some very real advantages to a mid drive. There is, you know, one of the other things you might notice is that if you buy a road bike with a electric motor built in, you buy an e e road bike, those are usually mid drives. Um, because they're using the gearing of the bike, they can be smaller and less powerful. They, and therefore maybe a smaller battery as well. Um, you can get a little bit more out of them in that sense, uh, weight wise. Well, definitely. I, I think all the road bikes that I've seen, 
you know, and again, I'm sure there's some exceptions, but the road bikes I've seen have been mid-drive because it just, it makes a lot of sense on a road bike. Getting real techie now, but electric bike motors, any kind of electric motor is most efficient at higher RPMs. And when you're riding a road bike, people tend to pedal at, you know, 60, 70, 80 RPMs. And that's a, that's a much better range for a electric motor much more efficient than something that's you know turning slower on a hub motor and somebody that's just you know tooling around on a bike path so <laughs> it makes a lot of sense why road bikes are, are mid-drive right there's a couple other little things about mid-drive and these you know we're, we're getting into the smaller end of advantages but some people say that there's a better weight distribution for the bike obviously the motor is heavy it's not as heavy as the battery which is probably more important but you know, having a mid-drive bike, you have the the motor is sort of low into the center of the bike, which uh, can be better than having it in the back. Um, another thing is there's no interference with the back wheel. So if you're worried about fixing a flat tire on the road, that sort of thing, it can definitely be easier on a mid-drive bike where it's just like just like a regular bike. I think that's actually a big one, right? Because with a hub drive, which we'll talk about in a second, you've got, you've got torque arms that hold the wheel to the, to the side. You've got wiring and stuff that you might have to take off to replace the back tire. So it could be a little tougher to replace a tire on a, on a hub drive motor. So let's talk about some of the advantages. Why would we want a hub drive? Well, usually cheaper, right? So not always, but usually cheaper. And again, there are some key manufacturers in this. I guess I mentioned that with the mid-drives. Kind of two to three main manufacturers of those. The Shimano, Bosch, and then Dapu is starting to um starting to manufacture some that are being being out there. But uh with hub drive motors, I think the Big one is Bafang, and I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, I know Rad Power uses Bafang motors, and then a lot of other companies use them. Um, but there are a whole bunch of manufacturers that really, if you're looking, you won't find the name printed on them or or whatnot. And that doesn't mean they're necessarily bad. It's just it seems a lot of manufacturers will will buy uh, motors from. Uh, from these other companies, and then it's just not an advertising point for them. They kind of just rebrand them their own brand and and let them go. So, yeah, and the hub drive is also one of the advantages is it can be paired with a uh, throttle, which is something that we'll also talk more about in a minute, uh, where you can actually have a twist throttle, and that's not something that I've ever seen on a mid drive. I don't think that's a thing. There's one. There's um, and, and at least one. And I was looking at this bike actually when I was looking at purchasing my rag wagon it's one of the aerial i think it's the aerial rider but but often you're you're right Dwayne. is that they they can't often be paired with a throttle although that looks to be changing a little bit um but also and and this could be a big thing i suppose is you can ride a hub drive motor uh even if the chain breaks and you can no longer pedal but your hub is again separate from the pedals it can push the wheel i'll admit I've broken one chain ever in my life, so I don't know if that's a big deal for me. But if you are a a really strong person and break chains on a regular basis, that might be the easy way for you to get home. Uh, and then there's some will say that you know, hub drives are simpler mechanisms and less likely to fail. There's probably some truth to that in that they are simple uh, motors on the back; they're not involved in the gears. But you know, then again, your your mid drive motor is you know, buried inside the mechanics of your bike and probably um, away from 
away from the elements a little bit more too. So I, I don't know how much truth there is to that. If, if you have any uh, input on that of uh, our listeners out there, let us know if you've, uh, if you've had a hub drive that's, that's gone or a mid drive that's gone and you can tell us why, if it was a little weird, let us know. So there's, there's pluses minuses to both. And a lot of it has to do with how it's packaged together with the other components of the bike that we want to talk about next. Um, Cause what we're really looking at is the whole riding experience. So another big technology uh, difference between e-bikes that's related to this hub drive, mid drive issue, um, but not, but not entirely connected is what type of sensor the bike uses in order to uh, do the pedal assist. Um, there's two basic types, right? There's a cadence sensor and a torque sensor. And you want to talk a little bit about how a cadence sensor works? Yeah. So, so Dwayne, when you're talking about pedal assist, we're talking about when you're not using a throttle and the bike is trying to figure out how you want it to help you push you along. And, and there has to be a sensor involved. So the cadence sensor, I think, is the most frequently seen um, type. And, and part of that is because it's cheaper. Uh, not that it's bad, but it's cheaper. Uh, it's the type of sensor that is on both my bike and Dwayne's bike. Uh, both the, I think every Rad Power bike and, and half or whatever, some number of Pedego bikes. And what it does is when you pedal, whether you're putting a load on the pedals or not, whether you're coasting and you just kind of pedal slowly along, there are uh, a series of magnets that spin around and there's a sensor that can tell that you're pedaling because the magnet is moving. And anytime it feels a magnet moving, it's going to apply a, a, uh, a load or it's going to start helping you push down the road. So that's pretty much what a cadence sensor does. It doesn't know how hard you're pushing. It doesn't know if you're going uphill and you need a lot of power or if you're going, you know, if you're on a flat road and you just want a little bit of extra speed, it's just going to know that you're pedaling, you must need some speed. You control how much power it gives you by changing the amount of assist through the programming on the bike. Usually like there'll be a screen and you could say, I want assist level one, which is just a tiny bit of power or assist level five on my bike is all the power just, just flat out make the motor push me along until it hits its maximum speed. But again, that doesn't have anything to do with sensor. The sensor is just telling the bike you're pedaling or you're not. And if you're pedaling, it'll push your wheels. Yeah. And depending upon the bike, you know, even like a half turn of the pedals can start the delivery of power to the motor. This is one of the things I think that can be disconcerting to people when they first ride uh, an e-bike because they might be just sort of repositioning the pedals or, you know, just a half a turn as they're, as they're, you know, making a U-turn on the bike and it can start to deliver power to the, to the motor and the bike can surge ahead. So it's one of the things that I think catches people by surprise sometimes, but that's just because the, the bike doesn't know how, how lightly you're turning the pedals. It just knows that you're turning the pedals and it's instructed to apply power to the wheels. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it was definitely something a little weird when I first got on my bike. Um, I, I won't say I got used to it pretty quickly. I think Dwayne, you probably did too. Uh, it's, it's not something that is, is a, a point that I would say should make you not consider a, some, a bike with a cadence sensor, but it's something just a quirk. I mean, along those lines too is that sometimes it takes that half turn or half a second after you stop pedaling for the motor to stop pushing. And that's a little weird as well. Um, some bikes take longer for that, for that sensor to realize that you're not pedaling anymore. You might think that might be scary. I didn't think it, well, 
at, at first it's a little weird, but really anytime you push on the brake on any of these bikes, the, or at least any bike that I'm aware of, there's a brake sensor that will cut the power to the motor immediately. So it's not something that's ever going to make you lose control of the bike. It's just something a little weird. If you lay off the pedals, you you would expect everything to stop, but you might still be being propelled forward for that extra second or so. Yeah, I think that people say sometimes, and I think this is right, that riding a bike with a cadence sensor uh, can feel a little bit like there's an on-off switch on the bike, you know, that is controlled by the pedals. Definitely. And you sort of feel that surge of power when the motor kicks in um, that you might not feel in in uh, the other types of bikes. But, again, it's really not an issue. Uh, really, again, it's it tends to be on the less expensive bikes. Most bikes under, you know, $2,000 or so are most likely a cadence sensor. So uh, everybody's riding them. Uh, there's not an issue with it. It's just different. Yeah, definitely. And then what was the other type of sensor, Dwayne? Did you want to talk about that one? Yeah, so the bikes that don't have a cadence sensor have a torque sensor. And now, like, the torque sensor actually measures how hard you're pedaling, right? It's it's how much force are you applying to the pedals. And the harder that you're pushing on the pedals, the more torque that you're applying, the more power the motor actually delivers to the wheels. So it's it's constantly analyzing how hard are you pushing the pedals? It's not just looking at whether or not you're rotating the pedals. It's looking at how hard are you pushing. And then it's constantly applying more or less power to the wheel. And, and that can feel more natural because that's kind of how we're used to riding a bike. You know, the harder you push the, the faster it goes. Right. I think from, from most people I know that have those types of bikes with those types of sensors, they, they tell me it feels mostly just like they've just become a world-class bike riding supreme rider uh, who can, it just feels like their pedaling effort, they can just push. It's like they become the most efficient peddler in the world. Yeah, I've ridden these too. I don't, I don't own one, but I've ridden one. And what I tell people is it almost, it feels like you're riding a regular bike, but it feels like you're always riding downhill. Like you're always going, it's a little easier to pedal. It's a little faster than you think it should be. It just feels like you're going downhill because something's giving you a little extra push. It's just, it's more seamless, I guess. You don't really have to think about it so much. So which one's better? I mean, you know, people are going to ask that question. Which one's better? <laughs> right. Well, we know that, again, you'll only see, and we're talking again, generalizations, and this may not always be true, but for the most part, you only see cadence sensors on mid-drive bicycles. So you're only going to see them on, you know, generally higher end bikes. Like in the Pedego bike that I have, if you get the Platinum Edition that has the uh, torque sensor, uh, it's about $1,000 more. Now, it's not just that. There's other options and that sort of thing, but it, it generally does tend to be on the higher-end bike. So you have to take that into account when you're trying to decide, do I want a torque center sensor or do I want a cadence sensor? You really kind of have to look at the whole package and see what, what makes sense to you. So this sounds like it's one of those things that's personal preference Although it seems that the more expensive bikes always seem to prefer the mid drives or, or more often tend towards going towards mid drives with the torque sensors. Yeah, I think so. And I think it also may depend a little bit on what you start out with <laughs> and what feels more natural to you. You know, if you if you start out uh, learning to love and to ride e-bikes with with cadence sensors, I think they'll always seem natural to you and you won't feel like you're missing anything. If you start out on a bike with a torque sensor, it, it may be hard to make the switch. I think it's a lot like, you know, 
it's not quite Ford versus Chevy. It's a little more substantive than that, but a lot of it depends on where you start. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So far, we've talked about pedal assist and only a little bit about throttle. So there's two ways that many bikes will allow you to add assist to a bike. It's, it's either the pedal assist where it's sensing what you're pedaling in one way or the other and then adding electrical power. But then there's another, uh, another way that many bikes have is a separate throttle where you can just squeeze on, squeeze on the juice yourself. That makes it a different class of bike once you're allowed to control it yourself without pedaling, uh, which may change legality and wherever you live. But we're not going to get into that. Let's just talk about what the throttle actually does. Yeah. And I think some people are surprised when they find out that not all e-bikes have a throttle. I think people assume when they see somebody whizzing by on an e-bike that, that there's some way to just apply throttle and not pedal. But in a lot of bikes, that's not the case. It's some bikes have a throttle and some bikes don't. And it's, again, it relates back to what we we're talking about before is that for the most part, you only see a throttle on hub drive uh, bicycles. Uh, you don't tend to see them on mid drives. I, I, I think there there could be some, and if if people are aware of anybody, they, any they can let us know. But for the most part, you see the throttles on on hub drive bikes. Right, I think that's true. So there's a couple types of throttles out there. There's the twist throttle, which is like a throttle on a motorcycle, where you where you twist it to apply more gas, but in this case, more more wattage, more amperage. Um, If if you haven't ridden a motorcycle before or dirt bike before, it's a lot like a twist shifter on a bicycle. If you've ever had a twist shift and you you shift the gears by rotating a collar that's right next to your handlebar or right next to your your grip, it's like that except that you're twisting a throttle and you twist it halfway forward and that gives you more throttle. Um, There's another type of throttle, uh, a thumb throttle, like a little thumb lever. Uh, and you, it's really just right where your thumb would sit on on the handlebars, and you push that forward to the to the amount of throttle that you want. So I don't know if I have a preference yet. I I have a I have a twist throttle on my bike. Um, I don't remember what Dwayne has on his bike. What do you have, Dwayne? I have a twist throttle also. It's actually what they call a um, a split twist throttle. So it's not the entire. Um hand grip that rotates like uh, it's typical on a motorcycle. It's about the inside third of it, the twists. All right. Same for mine. Mine's actually a separate component. So there's a full hand grip on the bike and then a, another inch or so or or, um, to the interior of that grip is the twisting part. One thing that you might consider when you're, when you're looking at an e-bike is how that throttle works. So, despite there being mechanical differences in how you twist the throttle. Also, different bikes use a throttle differently. On some bikes, like we talked about assist levels before, right? And if you have a computer on your bike that says you can have assist level, I'm just going to use mine for example because it's it's easiest and I'm most familiar. On my Rad Power bike, I have, you can turn the assist off or you have levels one through five after that, with five being, it's going to give you the most assist anytime you're pedaling. Now, no matter what level of assist I have set in that computer, I have full power on my throttle at all times. I can, if I'm at assist level one, if I twist the throttle, you know, separately from just pedaling all the way, I'm going to get the full power of the bike. But not all bikes are like that. Um, there are many bikes out there that will only allow throttle to the point of the amount of assist you've programmed in for that level. So if I, if I was on one of those bikes, 
and I was on level one and I twisted the throttle all the way, I would get as, you know, one fifth of the power. I'd get the same amount I get as level one. Uh, I think, again, the Pedago and Rad Power both allow full throttle. And I got to say, I think personally, that's the way to go. I do like that too. I've ridden a a bike that behaves in the other way you're talking about. Um, it was a Rambo Rooster, which is actually a lot like a Rad Runner. Um, and that's all in the programming. That's all the manufacturer decides, you know, how they want on their bike, uh, the, the pedal assist to work. But yeah, it is an interesting um, difference. And the throttle, you know, again, not all bikes have this. So if this is something that you're interested in, it's something you have to shop for. Because some riders absolutely want this, right? I know there are some people I've ridden with who almost rarely uh, pedal. <laughs> they want to <laughs> twist the throttle and they and they want to go and they want to ride their bike um, that way. And again, and, and others want to use it situationally, like you're talking about. Uh, I want to take off from a light. I want to uh, speed up to you know, uh, get across the street or whatever. Right. That's how I always use my throttle. It's always situationally get across the street or go up a hill things like that. Yeah. But otherwise I just pedal. So again, not all bikes do this. So if this is something you're interested in, you have to shop with for bikes that have that type of controls. Right. And I guess that's one other point we have to mention too, is that, you know, we mentioned it's programmed into the programming, how that throttle operates on most e-bikes. There's no way to change that programming for that issue. Um, you know, the owner accessible programming does not go that deep to change how your throttle operates. So, so make sure you pick the bike that you want with that in mind when you're looking. Yeah. And I will say that the marketing materials for most bikes probably won't explain that to you. So that might be True. something that you either need to test ride. If it's something that's available locally, or if you're ordering, you know, over the internet, that might be something you need to dig into some reviews of the bike or maybe even call up the manufacturer and ask if it's something that's important to you. Yeah, definitely. So we've covered a lot today, I think. That's a lot of technical jargon. We've also opened up a lot of cans of worms about other things we have to talk about, and that'll all be coming uh, you know, as we work our way through some of these basic topics on the show. Absolutely. So if, if you have uh, one of these bikes and you have a preference on one thing or the other, or you want to let us know of any... Uh, interesting bikes that don't necessarily fit the mold or you have any questions about what we talked about today you can always reach us on ebike radio at gmail.com follow us on facebook and twitter send us a message on there or post a comment on the episode notes and we would love to hear from you and and get to your questions and your ideas and as always thanks for listening to the show and stay tuned to electric bike radio (laughs) 